the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. I doubt this will be the first time that you have heard some version of the phrase, the love of money is the root of all evil in your life. But in case you never have, there it is. Another one of those things that you might be surprised is right there in the Bible, word for word. In the Gospel today, Jesus is urging his listeners to stare directly into the starkness of this truth about wealth and the greed and indifference it can so easily engender in those who have it. Jesus does so in the parable of the rich man and Lazarus, which follows immediately from his words, which we heard in the Gospel last week, Uh, at the end of the reading, which read, you cannot serve God and wealth. And Paul, writing to Timothy, asserts there are clear, particular responsibilities for those who have wealth um, to the rest of the Christian community in order that they might guard themselves against this spiritual sickness that wealth can cause. Jesus knows, and Paul knows, that wealth is a particularly heavy stumbling block to those trying to live in the abundant life that Jesus says he has come to bring. Wealth is the root of all sorts of evil because it causes the people who have too much of it in so many cases to deny the reality of their own contingency, their own need for God, and the recognition that all wealth, all power, indeed all things ultimately come from God, their own need for other people, for community and cooperation, for mutuality and for accountability. Wealth makes people believe in their own security and self-sufficiency, and in doing so creates the illusion of scarcity, when actually the reality is that there is enough of just about everything we need to go around today where it were shared appropriately. Wealth is both a straightforward and complicated thing to talk about. It is straightforward in that, in this country, still probably the richest in the history of the world, we know what it looks like for wealth to rule and control the discourse, to direct policy, to set up a whole set of warped values for a society. We know what it feels like for so many people, everyday people, to be saddled with debt for things like medical care and education, for us to be facing some of the highest rents and home prices that many of us have ever seen in our lifetimes right now, for over 10% of all households in this country still food insecure. All this at the same time as the wealthiest people in our society continue not only to get richer and richer, but to create the conditions at the policy level to continue to enrich themselves and bail themselves out of financial trouble, while for the vast majority of citizens of this country, they face a ruthless message of it's every man for himself. One thinks of the line from Father Abraham in the parable, looking down at the rich man from across the gulf, talking about the chasm that there is between Lazarus and he, and wonders why these super rich are not more concerned for their own souls. It may be that we feel like this polemic of Jesus's and the way it shows up in the wider biblical tradition is easy to get on board with. It feels pretty clear cut. There's this rich man 
uh, in this story who is ostentatiously wealthy. He looks wealthy. He walks and talks rich abundance and is dripping in his own symbols of privilege at the same time as he is clearly ignoring this man right at his gate who just needs a little bit of help. But as I say, wealth is also complicated to talk about. Because of course, if we were to take this parable literally, we would realize pretty quickly that we have just about all of us, whether we are monetarily wealthy or not, though in the wider context of the globe, certainly we are, we have all done this very thing that the rich man has done with someone on our own street, with someone on our own subway or bus on our block. Which is to say that whoever Jesus was talking to, whichever group of people this parable was particularly directed to, whether it was the Pharisees there, the tax collectors, others unnamed, passers-by, it is also still a teaching directed toward his disciples, who, like us, his followers today, are, for the most part, people of fairly little means, but nonetheless human beings susceptible to things like greed and indifference, all the same. A couple of core insights from this show up in the Our Father when we pray it. One of them is when we say, give us this day our daily bread. There is something profound and transformative about the recognition that just enough just enough to get through this day and not even to worry about tomorrow is wealth. And it is a truer, deeper kind of wealth that harkens back to the people Israel in the wilderness um, receiving manna from heaven and not able to store any of it for for the day or for the following day. It is a test to trust God in a way that when we live in this way, when we internalize this way of being, This is true riches. So when we pray that prayer, we are reminded of that, and we try to keep this um, close close at heart. The other thing is, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We often read stories like this one, the rich man and Lazarus, and we hear the vision of flames and chasm, and there's someone up here and there's someone down there, and we're probably basically socialized to hear that as always being about some faraway afterlife, some sense in which the people in this life who are poor and downtrodden will receive their true reward for their faithfulness in the hereafter, and those who were wicked and sinful will receive their punishment. There's an element of this that may be in some sense true, as we will all one day, as Archbishop Justin put it at the funeral of Queen Elizabeth even the other day, we will stand before the merciful judgment of Christ. But when we say, on earth as it is in heaven, part of what we mean is that what God desires for us is to be taken seriously in the here and now, in our time on earth. It is not too far-fetched for us to imagine a world where wealth does not simply serve to perpetuate itself for no other purpose than that. It is not impossible for us to set ourselves against a false notion of scarcity and to build a society that puts human dignity and need at the center of every conversation about wealth and how it is shared and distributed. We believe we can and must do this now, and we pray it every time we say the Our Father, because it is what 
God would desire for us here and now as God would desire it in heaven. The ruin and destruction that Paul says the love of money causes in our hearts is cured, he says, by what? Generosity, by doing good, by being ready to share, by setting aside greed and scarcity and fear and living in abundance, not in some far away heaven, but here and now in our own little ways, in our own lives. Here and now, we can all start to do this, and it starts by loving not money, but loving God and loving our neighbor as ourselves, as simply as giving that cup of water to someone in need like Lazarus at the gate. And in doing so, we will see the path to eternal life.